Hello and welcome to Postcards from Heron County, a podcast that delves into some of the heritage of Ontario's West Coast. I'm your host, Mandy Sinclair, and since returning to the area after 20 years away, I have enjoyed rediscovering the county and wanting to know more about the history of the region as I set out exploring the trails, small towns, and more. So I'm inviting you to listen in as I sit down to chat with historians and community members who have a close connection to the topic in question. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge that I am recording at Faux Pop Studios in Goderidge, which is on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and Neutral Peoples. I recognize the First Peoples' continued stewardship of the land and water, and that this territory was subject to the Dish with One Spoon wampum, under which multiple nations agreed to care for the land and resources by the Great Lakes in peace. I would also like to acknowledge and recognize the Upper Canada Treaties signed in regards to Heron County, as settlers know it, which include Treaty 29 and Treaty 45 and a half. On today's episode, I'm joined via Zoom with historian Robert C. Lee, also known as Bob, to chat about the Canada Company and the Huron Tract and the development of Huron County. Thank you so much for joining me today, Bob, to discuss a topic that I've been fascinated with since returning to Godridge area in 2020. And that topic is the development of the town of Godridge as part of the Huron Tract developed by the Canada Company in the 1820s. Before we dive into this topic, though, I'd like to do an introduction. You were born, raised, and educated in Toronto until university, but your connection to Godridge runs deep. Your maternal great-great-great-grandmother and grandfather, Charles and Elizabeth Middleton, arrived in Godridge Township from England in 1834. A son was born in York, Toronto, while Charles was in Godridge Township near Varna, having purchased 80 acres from the Canada Company and building a log cabin there. Following behind in the 1850s, your paternal great-grandfather, William Lee, arrived in Godridge. He served a term as mayor in 1869. And your grandfather, Charles Crab Lee, was the mayor of Godridge from 1931 to 1934. He was also a busy entrepreneur in town as he owned and operated, amongst other businesses, the Sunset Hotel on Britannia Road, overlooking Lake Huron, a popular summertime resort destination and also where you spent your summers. So I can only imagine this family history inspired your Master's of Arts thesis, The Canada Company, A Study and Direction, 1826 to 1853, that you completed as part of your studies at the University of Guelph. In the 1960s, you joined the Canadian Foreign Service as a trade commissioner, and your career took you to the United States, to the then Yugoslavia, and to Japan, Korea, and Indonesia in Asia. In 2004, your book, The Canada Company and the Huron Tract, 1826 to 1853, was released. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. And over the past couple of years, I've noticed that Godridge has become an even greater summertime hotspot for folks holidaying in Huron County. What were some of your favorite memories from your summers in Godridge? Oh, gosh, the great memories were going up to the square on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And of course, beaches going down to the, the Godridge Beach at Bert McDonald, the harbor master, he thought many children had to swim, including me, put a rope around my waist, and I would jump into the harbor, and, and he would he would let, 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 slacken the, the rope as he could, and I'd swim. And of course, they were, my brother and sister were swimming down there, and I wanted to be with them. So that was great fun. And so it, it Godrich was a, our Godrich holiday, and there I was there all summer. Uh, we ate all our meals at the Sunset Hotel. And my grandfather, by the way, was a chef founder and hardware merchant and coal dealer at the harbor. So he was a well-known person. 
And and one day my my mother was had said to my sister and myself, my sister who's three years older, just disappear. I need some peace and quiet. <laughs> so off we went to the railway to the railway yard down at the beach, down at the Goddard Harbor. Yeah. And I'd be looking up at the steam engine and the engineer said, Oh, who are you children? And he said, Well, we're Charles Lee's grandchildren. Charles Lee's grandchildren, well hop aboard and I'll take you for a ride. Oh so wow. that's the ride the steam engine. And then we'd stayed around and we pushed the, the turntable and the, the engine went onto the turntable and turned it around and it was backed into the into 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 the, into the car barn. And that engine I think is the one that is in the Heron County Museum. But uh, so many happy memories of things Godrich. Let's chat history, and I think it's best to start in 1824 when the Canada Company was founded as a shareholder-owned land company. The company received its charter from the British Parliament in 1826. Can you tell us briefly how and why this company came about, and was it unique in the Canadas at the time? Oh, yes, it, 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 it was unique in Canada. There had, but there were, there were two companies in the United States the, that uh, that John Galt, the first commissioner of the company, was uh, was commissioned to go down to the U.S. to talk to them about about land companies, but it was a very unique concept in Canada. And the reason it came about is that the the War of 1812-14 and the earlier Napoleonic Wars had created real stress in both the U.K. and within Great Britain and in and in Upper Canada. The, uh, the uh, after the Napoleonic Wars, the soldiers were being disbanded. And uh, and there was nothing, and the, and the industry that, that was supplying the armaments closed down, and so there were there was great unemployment and great and, and great uh, concern. While in Upper Canada, the there were the bills to pay for the War of eighteen twelve fourteen. The government wanted to pay for war reparations and and, and also put them on, on on benefits. The War of eighteen twelve fourteen and the Napoleonic Wars had been very destabilizing in in both countries. So the idea was uh, that by way of the Constitutional Act of 1791, clergy reserves were set aside in the survey township. The two-sevenths of each township were set aside for clergy reserves and, and crime reserves. And the idea was they would be sold off on a, on a regular basis, which would provide money to help do the establishment of, of churches, primarily the, the, the Anglican, the Church of England, but the, the, there was a real financial, there were real financial issues in the colony and in Great Britain. And because they were not being settled, it was very destabilizing because when you've got these patches all through the township, the roads were not being, were not being constructed and settlers were not, and they were not being sold in a systematic way. And, and other people in, in, the, in England decided that the best thing to do would be to start um, uh, habitating the putting settlers on these uh, on these on these lots, and then I go back to the uh, the First Nations people. The land, the the, the Huron Track land, is actually still the had been the the First Nations people belonged to them until the, the Upper Canada bought the land from them, and then in turn the the Canada Company uh, bought the land from from the province. But that's generally the the how how it came about. Uh, the here and track as a, as, a, as a large, contiguous piece of property. In 1825, the land that became the Huron track did belong to the Chippewa Nation, who had recently sold it to the province of Upper Canada. Do you know how much they sold it for? The company purchased 100,000 acres in Huron track 
in lieu of the clergy reserves of 829,430 acres, plus the crown reserves of 1,384,413 acres and 42,000 acres of here in Block, of here in Block at a cost per, per acre of three shillings sixpence, three shillings tuppence, or three shillings uh, sixpence currency. But the uh, but the, the the First Nations were paid one thousand one hundred pounds to be paid for annually, so basically they didn't get a very good financial deal. They were just left with that little bit of, of property down towards the Port Huron, which they own to this to this day. Once the Canada Company was formed and the charter passed in the British Parliament, John Galt was put in place as the first commissioner in Upper Canada. And in 1826, William Tiger Dunlop arrived with John Galt in Upper Canada. And I quote from page 54 of your books, they were here to inspect the land the company had purchased, determining which lots could be sold quickly and dealing with squatters and timber poachers on the land. In Dunlop's report of the area, which you've included as Appendix D within your book, he notes the significant water resources, both the river and the lake, the soil conditions, the tree variety, game, and abundant fish populations. On page 70 of your book, The Canada Company and the Huron Tract, 1826 to 1853, you've included a map of the original Huron Tract, which includes settler towns, so Goderidge, Clinton, Seaforth, Mitchell, Stratford, St. Mary's, Exeter, and even communities within present-day Lambton and Middlesex counties. What was it like settling this area in the early days, and what was settler life like? It was it was very challenging, and the the, the British the uh, the Canada Company uh, produced very uh, uh, very nice posters that were that were stationed around around England and Scotland, and and the and the majority of the settlers, by the way, were from Scotland, and the, John Gaunt, John John influence uh, he had uh, and, and and he had his friends uh, promoting it, but uh, but but life was not easy. But some of them came. The members of the so-called Coburn clique arrived with libraries and pianos and and uh, and, and the whole bit coming around on ship, and uh, but it but it, it was it was not easy. They had to obviously cut the trees, till the land, and uh, and and but happily there was a there was a good relationship with the with the Aboriginals. Uh, in the case of my of my of Charles George Middleton, my great 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 grandfather. He and his son were going off to uh, off to town one day on on a narrow track through the bush, and a tree had blown down as a result of a storm the, the the night before. What could he do? He couldn't turn around. He couldn't go forward. And suddenly, uh, there appeared the the like four four First Nations people, and they came. They cut down. They 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 cleared the they they, they cleared the path for them. But then, once they arrived in Canada. How would they get to the Huron Tract well, area? Well, they would make their like Charles George Middleton, for example. He made his way to to York, and uh, he left there. He left his wife who was pregnant, and and he walked from from to from York to uh, to Huron County to to just close to Varna, between basically just uh, outside of outside of Goddard, between Goddard and Clinton, and uh, and then and he 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 built his cabin. And then walked back to Toronto, and uh, and then walked back with his with his wife and new ch- and newborn child, Charles wow. George Middleton Jr. And so they were hardy people in those in those days. Did any of them arrive via the port in Godridge? Oh yes, yes. Um, Henry Hindman arrived in the port of Godridge 
with his great with his great uh, library and then and mm -hmm. organ and so on, but but most of them most of them did not at least in the early days, and then and then as time as time went on, more of them would have arrived that way. Wow, Goderich was the first town established in 1827 in the Huron Tract, and it has the octagonal main square. Uh, sorry, the octagonal main street around which there were to be shops and so-called the square. On page 117 of your book, you note that in 1831, Godridge contained, and I quote, about 30 houses. You also include a handbill that was part of an advertising campaign to attract settlers to the Huron Tract. I'm just wondering, was it a difficult task to entice settlers to the area? Uh, generally not. For example, Charles George Middleton, you know, I, I, I spoke to a and, and just as my book was was being published mm -hmm. to a group in Godrich of about I guess about there were about sixty or seventy people there I was I was delighted and uh, and they were saying you know the Cannon Company gave gave the the, the settlers such a hard time and and uh, and it was but I said well you know Charles George Middleton did arrive comfortably always had one people in the one person in the front row yes but he had money. I found it interesting to see the map for the town of Bayfield you included on page 121 of your book, as the layout's quite similar to Godridge with eight main streets protruding from the central square. And this town was founded just a few years after Godridge in 1830. So I'm just wondering, was there a similar town model that was applied to towns throughout the Huron Tract? Yeah, no. Interestingly enough, uh, Clinton, for example, it was called the Four Corners because there, were, there was the highway you know, there was a Huron Road and then a highway north and south, and uh, and it was a and it was just laid out in a in a grid in a grid. They were all laid out in a grid pattern, mm -hmm. except for Stratford, because of the of the river, and so uh, the the Thomas Mercer Jones, who was a who was a real fan of Shakespeare, decided that the river would be renamed the Avon, and the town that he would he would found would be called Stratford. Do you know where like the name of Bayfield and Clinton and or like Clinton, obviously. Well, Henry Wolsey Bayfield, he was a, he was he was quite he was a, a, a quite a, a sailor, a captain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and he surveyed much of the much of the lakes around Ontario, including up up uh, Lake Huron and around Georgia Bay. Yeah. And so he was he was highly regarded, and uh, and so it was very told who named it Bayfield. Okay. In his honor. Goddard's today is the administrative hub of Huron County with the courthouse in the center of Courthouse Park on the square. And during the time of the Canada Company, the headquarters were housed in what's now the Park House restaurant at the top of the hill leading down to the beach. Further along West Street at what is now an insurance brokerage was the Bank of Upper Canada. And so I keep wandering the streets um, on foot, but also on my bike. And this part of town really intrigues me, like St. George Crescent, Wellington Street, and many others like near the lake and also in, towards the downtown core. And I can't help but admire like the houses and the architecture. They're so grand. And I also wondered, who were the in original inhabitants of these heritage homes? Can you shed some light on that? Well, the, the original inhabitants were, were people who they arrived in Godridge with money. For example, there's a, there's a wonderful house on, on, on St. George's. That was that was built by the the owner of the Godridge Salt Company, and I think about Mr. Wordle, I think was the one who, who built that house. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then you have uh, you have various houses around the town that there was men of men of wealth wealth and influence who uh, who actually built those houses, and 
Yes, it's it's wonderful to 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 see not only these lovely houses, but how but but they're being well maintained mm-hmm. by the by by the by the owners. And my my grandfather, for example, built his house in 1898. The people, I think, who came to Godrich, it was center of the of the county. It was the administrative center, as you say, and uh, and they were people who had who came to Godrich full of enthusiasm. And I remember when I was a kid, that people were saying that that in the old days they talked about the Godrich would be the Chicago of, of the North. Oh, that's and interesting. So, yes, and uh, and then you have even the the house that the, was the became the Hans Bakery was lived in by when I and my sister and I were children by Danny and Maggie Wiggins, and uh, and they, they they rented the house, but they lived on the ground floor. And we have been. Maggie worked for my for my grandfather uh, as as a maid. We would go down, go down and visit him. They always had. He Danny would give us three three cents or maybe five cents to go across the road to the to a, to the park house to, to get an ice cream cone, and then we'd sit on the we'd, we'd sit on the on, on great big on great wooden chairs and, mm-hmm. and watch the world go by. But uh, but they but that was a very well built house and very and well maintained to this day. And so I think people who came to Godrich came with a feeling of pride that they that they they had heard about it. They took the Canada Company advertising, some of it was overblown, but uh, but the point is that people arrived with enthusiasm and money, mm-hmm. and so uh, and then and then of course they were the industrial leaders, and then and then you had companies like like the, the salt the salt block at, you know, at the east end of town, and uh, and then the the, the flour mill down at the harbor. In a way, Godrich was a company town, and then of course you had the Godrich organ factory at the other end. Mr. Mm-hmm. Saunders, who lived next door to my to my grandfather and grandmother on Coburn Street, mm-hmm. uh, he was very of course very proud of of, of, of that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I was years ago. I was in I was in Newfoundland on business, uh, my trade commissioner service business, and I went into a music shop on uh, on Water Street, O'Brien's in, in Newfoundland, and what should I see? Right at the front and center, a Godrich organ company organ. Amazing. So, so the so those so Godrich was a, and then there was a, the Doty in Engine Works, and uh, and one of the old uh, ships that uh, tourist excursions up at up at Bracebridge uh, had. I, I noticed. I was looking. I was fascinated how well they maintained the ship, and and I looked, and it had a and the, the signage said that. The engine for it was made in Godrich at the Doty Engine Works, and with these people, in fact, they they brought money and they mm-hmm. built fine houses. Mm-hmm. And I have done a, a for the for the Huron County Historical Society. I did a publication about the about the about the railways, and and I talked about all the range of, of businesses that were in Godrich. That I mean, they're all gone now, mm-hmm. but like it all mine, that's that's that provides stability for the town. Absolutely. And also the fishing was quite big in the 1800s, the late oh, 1800s, fish- wasn't it? Oh, yes. Fishing was a, was a very big deal. And, uh, and the, I remember going out with once on a, on a, on a sailing ship with, with Mac McDonald. He, he, he said, my mother, now, if I'm ever in town and there's a good wind blowing and, and I'm, I'm not fishing, come on down and I'll take you for, for a sail. And so mother and, and friends used to, be, used to go down to the harbor mm-hmm. and go out sailing and once. Uh, the only time I did that, it was decided that when we got up to the breakwater, it was really too rough and too windy, so we had to turn around. Nearby Guelph, Ontario, with its unique plan, was 
founded a few months before the town of Godridge, and local folklore tells tale that the town's planning documents were switched. Can you please set the record straight on this one for listeners? Oh yes, I, I had when I when I wrote my my thesis, I, I, I poured through the Canada Company letterbooks, and then happily, and uh, and most of the the letterbooks had they had gone from from uh, a professor at the, at the University of Western Ontario was was then had, had acquired all all the the documentation, much of the documentation for the uh, from 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 the Canada Company record books, and so I was able to 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 borrow the. Uh, to borrow these, and I, I, I poured through, and I read in all the documentation. It was very interesting. As I poured through the letter books, they it was so interesting. <clears throat> John Galt decided he was a real royalist, and so he wanted to call what he Guelph Guelph. It was he anglicized it from G U E L F to you know, to the to the spelling. <clears throat> but the but but the 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 directors wanted the the town called Godrich. After the after Lord Godridge, who had who had pushed the legislation through the House to to incorporate the company, mm-hmm. and 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 so the the plans for for growth were developed before Godridge, but but also if if you look at the that Guelph is at the junction of the Speed and Aramosa River, and so if you put your your little finger and your and your thumb out and spread them, you'll see the both rivers coming. Coming in, and and in the and in the center uh, is the there is a a, a market square, mm-hmm. uh, and then you have Godridge, the the the, the plain, the, the flat plain, the plan of Godridge uh, makes eminent sense, and in fact you, you couldn't you couldn't substitute one for the other because of the because the of the, the, of the topography of 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 Guelph of where, where it was established and the topography of of, of Godridge, mm-hmm. but. Uh, John Galt was determined that the first community would be Guelph, and the directors were not happy. And, and I was reading these, and of course, about the six weeks of the return mail from London to to to, to Godrich uh, to see the Canada Company headquarters. And uh, and so during that time, the the, the company was uh, the town which you call which you call Guelph, which we call Godrich. Mm-hmm. And then he said, "Oh, don't worry. There's a lovely site." At the at the mouth of the Minnesota River, uh, that uh, that I plan to call Godridge, and anyway, he said I've already sold land in in, in the company Canada Company has sold land in in Guelph, and it just it would make far too complicated to to change the name and having to um, pull back the deeds, and so then mm-hmm. the company said, okay, we 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 agree. So let's just wrap up with the closing of the Canada Company. It existed until 1953, so fairly recent history. Um, why did it exist for so until like the mid 20th century? Well, it, it had so much land. And, and so bit by bit, they were selling it, they were selling it off. Mm-hmm. And uh, but by but by 1953, by the late 50s, they, the, the sales were slowing down measurably. It, and, and the only the, the only large bit of contiguous property was not very good farmland. And, and that and so the the company agreed to sell that large piece of property to what is now the Pioneer Provincial Park to the province of Ontario to establish the park. Okay. And uh, and then the and then the other land was uh, 
was 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 currently just sold off, and, and the company was wound up in 1953. But it's a, a remarkably long, remarkably long period of history. Mm-hmm. For any listeners who are interested, your book is available locally at Fincher's and the book Peddler in Godridge. Thank you again for for joining me today. Thank you very much, Andy. Take care, Bob. If you're keen to explore the food scene in Huron County, you'll want to know about Tasting Huron County curated food experiences delivered. We do breakfast and picnic deliveries and like to think of these as a delivery from a Huron County-wide farmer's market. All deliveries are abundant and feature products produced right here in the county. But if a walking tour is more your jam, Tasting Huron County's Godridge Tasting Trail takes visitors on a half-day guided tour of the food scene while mixing in architecture and history. To find out more, visit tastinghuroncounty.ca, that's all one word, for more details. I'd like to thank the Huron Heritage Fund for their support of this podcast. If you're in Huron County, one of my favorite places to wander is the Huron County Museum and the nearby Huron Historic Jail, particularly during special events. And the museum is free for Huron County Library cardholders. I'd like to give a shout out to Community Futures Huron for their support of this podcast. If you're thinking of setting up shop in Huron County, I cannot say enough great things about this team. When I was in the exploration stages of creating a PR agency, event company, tasting Huron County, I wasn't exactly sure what, but I gleaned an incredible amount of information from the resourceful Community Futures team before finally settling down in Huron County once again. I'd also like to thank Clint Mackey, Andrew Bauk, Nick Vinicom, and Mark Hussey at Faux Pop Media, who produce and generously support Postcards from Heron County. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a fan of Postcards from Heron County, I would be so grateful if you would rate or review this podcast on your favorite channel or share on your social media networks. Just don't forget to tag me at Postcards from Heron County so I can be sure to thank you for helping share my love of Heron County.